latest edition of the Quarcast. It's episode number seven on May the 8th, 2020. That's right. We are no longer looking at April as it just ended, but it's now deep in our rearview mirror. And perhaps more importantly, it's our last one before Mother's Day. Owen Newkirk here, Sean Shapiro, who sounds like he's at the seaside on his microphone on the other side of this attachment. But Sean, you, uh, this is, uh, what, this will be the second Mother's Day of your, uh, you and Christina's, uh, voyage as a couple? Yeah, yeah, second one, and the, uh... Oh, that's better, you closed the door to the ocean view. I don't even know where that was coming from, I was very confused. Could you hear it too? For a second, you sounded a bit weird, yeah. Yeah, well, it's so much better now, so I'm glad that you decided to close your patio, you and, uh... I was going to say uh, Cliff Kingsbury out in Arizona, but that was actually a desert look for the yeah. draft. He wasn't actually on the uh, the Gordon Bombay Malibu estate rental. Yeah, so I, I had no idea what that was. But, but back know, to Mother's Day. Yeah, second uh, Mother's Day, and uh, hopefully uh, that'll it'll looking forward to not burning down the kitchen and making something nice on Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Getting uh, getting Evie's help as much as uh, possible. <laughs> nice. Well, it gets better uh, as they get a little older and can start doing some of the things themselves mm-hmm. so you don't have to do it all yourself. Um, yeah. But interesting debate on the ticket this week has been when is it time to cut the cord for dad to let the kids take charge so dad doesn't have to A, remind them it's Mother's Day, B, actually do most of the work, or C, even just help out. When can they really step back and let the kids take over. And I, I think the answer has been, it depends on if they're boys or girls and then, then they work on ages. I think it also depends on, uh, I mean, are we talking just a reminder? I haven't heard much of this debate. Was it just a reminder or like actually taking over? What's the, the whole, the whole gamut of things, right? So it sounds like Girls are much more proactive about dealing with Mother's Day than boys are, which I would attest to probably is very fair. And that the closer you get to 18 is good because remember in your early to mid teens, you have quite of the, it's sort of the apathy years where it's not so much you don't care about your parents. It's just that you, you're most likely lazy about everything and not wanting to take, take the point on most stuff. I think some people that extends past just their early teens. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. So anyway, um, I'm so, not I'm not there yet. My boys can now make their own cards, which is great. But okay. uh, and they can be involved. But I'm still very much an active participant. I guess I guess for me the tiebreaker would be when do you trust them to use the stove by themselves? Ooh, that would be my kind of. I don't even think cooking for her was part of this debate. I think it was more about yeah. getting the gifts. Oh, okay. But for for me, it kind of the, the instant thought comes to me is okay. At what point can you say, okay, well, you can go make eggs in the kitchen and make make a breakfast and something like that. And I don't have to be hovering and worrying about you burning the house down. Yeah, so. that's a good one. Breakfast in bed is a, is an interesting bar for that. It's, mm-hmm. A, do you want to eat in bed? Because some people don't like eating in their beds. Well, it, it's not even it's not even eating in bed. It's just making the food and that's making right. the meal. Yeah. Maybe you can get up and sit in the, at the table yeah. and eat. Right, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, not to completely go off the rails already, but we're very good at that. Yep. We can actually say that we are 
at a point where we still have things to talk about, which is kind of impressive when you think about it. But mm-hmm. um, kind of going through our hockey news of the day, we have no decision yet from the NHL definitively on whether or not they are going to decide to do an early June draft. It sounded like the beginning of this week, like it might be announced that it was going to happen, and then it kind of stalled and things are still in a holding pattern. And I get the feeling, Sean, because we've debated the pros and cons of this previously, I get the feeling that that if this extends too much longer, just a few more days, there's not much of a chance of that happening. Because if they're going to pull the trigger on this, they've got to do it pretty fast, or pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, I think we kind of still have till the end of next week, though. Okay. I just I, I think that's kind of that's what my gut says on it. Now, because um, I think you could still figure it out by you could still make that decision by Thursday, just to pick a random day next week, and still do it in the first half of June. Um, so I think you could still do it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of at a spot where I th- we kind of got the feeling the NHL was saying, "Hey, this is happening," and I think that there's been more of a. Res- I think there's been a bunch of pushback from GMs too, who have all been making their case of this is some more vocally than others. Um, um, and I th- and I also wonder, and this is just a personal wonder because remember, I don't know if you remember when this was all going on. Um, when the early thought of this was happening, one of the Steve Eiserman came out and said, "This is dumb. Why would we do this?" And Steve Eiserman was vocally against it. And um, I'm not saying this was a response to that statement, but recently after that, they kind of said it trickled out that we may be using the old draft odds, which gave Detroit a 57 percent chance <laughs> of getting the first overall pick, as opposed yeah. to as what opposed a to right? as, as opposed to 17 percent or 18 percent or whatever it was. And so. I, I, I wonder if you have, after that detail came out, you have teams that were on the bubble that were like, wait, we may get forced to come back, miss the playoffs, and we can't even win the draft water. Like, I, I think that, I wonder, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if that's something that kind of trickled into other GMs' minds. Obviously, the GM we're dealing with in Dallas, the stars really aren't impacted much by a June versus fall draft because really the only think the stars maybe benefit slightly because in theory if we have a draft after the playoffs the draft position could get worse by winning a couple rounds sure but in, but in general the stars draft position isn't going to change much either way so um so the stars aren't ones that are going to be really fighting this isn't really the stars battle to fight one way or the other and it's probably smart not to jump into it yeah <laughs> uh, but i i do think I, I do wonder if we had gm saying like wait we've been all of a sudden we're giving we've been and the other thing about the whole thing that just and i i know kind of the fear of hey we don't want a team to win the draft lottery then win the stanley cup i knew that fear but the other thing is we've gone out of our way to try and stop teams from tanking before and so all of a sudden we have a global pandemic and we're going to basically reward detroit for tanking and i wonder if gms are like wait why are we going to do that so right um, i don't i mean look we we'll move on from this but my my last thought is I, I'm fine either way if they want to do it, whatever. But if you gave me the option, I would tell you flat out, I don't want to do it now. I want to wait. Because if they end up canceling the season down the road because things don't improve and they can't get it done, they can still have their draft. But yeah. why? If they said that they're going to, uh, I saw something this week that said a minimum of 55 days between the end of this season and the start of next season. That's nearly two months. You can squeeze. 
your NHL awards and your free agency and your draft in those two months. It may yeah. be hectic, but that's a really fun news cycle to have things coming every day. They can do that. So to me, just do it after the year because get it all figured out. Let's not try to squeeze it. You know, the the, the NFL draft worked because it was in their normal cycle. This yep. is and just, it, it isn't necessary to do it now. Yeah, and the NFL draft is also a behemoth that yes. people that that people watch and people have just to be frank, people know the guys getting drafted. You have college football fans who watch the NFL draft to see where guys go. While you do have some college hockey fans or junior fans, it's not the same thing in, in the NHL. No. It's 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 not nearly the same team. The one thing on the draft that was just interesting to me, if they did, and I put this on Twitter the other day, just kind of amusing in my head. If we have a June draft before the season resumes and you make trades at that draft, is it like a typical post-deadline trade? And the thing that people always forget, the trade deadline is not a trade deadline. It's a deadline to be eligible for the right. playoffs. It's not, a, it's not a trade yeah. moratorium. So would we have a scenario where in theory – like just to it wouldn't happen because Arizona is in the mix if we come back, right? But yes. Say Arizona, say say there's a say New Jersey's like, you know what? We want Taylor I'm this I'm intentionally picking a trade that wouldn't happen. Um say say a team um actually a better example is a backup goalie. Say we're looking at okay, hey, we're gonna have a condensed schedule going when we come back and we gotta play twelve regular season games and, and I really like my and you're say you're Montreal who thinks you're Montreal, who thinks you're uh, you okay? Everything okay over there? Yeah, the kids just got home. Can you hear? They were out. I can. And they're, yeah, they're chasing each other in yeah. their underwear because they just got back from doing some deliveries for teacher appreciation. Uh, and so my wife is very, as a nurse, very sensitive about germs. So she probably made them strip down in the garage. <laughs> and so now they're chasing each other to the bathroom to wash their hands in their underwear. So yes. I see. Yeah. Um, it's never, Anywho, a dull, never a dull moment here in the quarantine house. Where I was going with on the draft. Yeah, say sorry team, to interrupt say, you. Say a team, say that we're going to go to a, um, say you're a team on the bubble and all of a sudden you're looking at a process at the thing where at the opportunity where you have to play 12 games in say 20 days or something like that. You take, you kind of take that window where you typically, in a typical stretch where you're playing in a typical stretch where 12 games in 20 days, you're probably using your backup goalie at least four or five games at least. Right? I, would, I would think you're going to yeah. do a 60, 40 type split would be my guess. Something maybe, like that. Maybe 70, 30, but, but you're getting a, a good chunk yeah. of games. But, but if you don't, if you, if you don't like your one B in that situation is getting the play, getting to the playoffs tr- worth trading for a goalie at the draft, trading a fourth for a thr- third, fourth round pick for a guy who can't play in the playoffs but could help you get to the playoffs, is it worthwhile? Just it's it's a thought that I wonder like if mm. something you could if that would even be allowed. It's just I feel like I they you, wouldn't let that happen, would you? I don't know, but it's yeah. either way either way with the June draft, it's the type of thing where on a selfish level, it'd be nice to have something to write about a little bit in June, but really it's not smart to do. Well so. speaking of another thing that we saw floated this week and this came from Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts blog that he posts mm-hmm. uh, generally weekly yep. um, and it's incredible because he has he has a ton of insider network that he's built up and people say things to him that we just don't get from everybody else but uh, he, one of his points and you and I talked about this off air the other day was the idea floated out that an NHL team suggested that if a hub city is selected, let's say Dallas, mm-hmm. just for this example, yeah, 
they the suggestion is not allow the teams to play in their own region. So if Dallas, for example, was picked as a hub city, Dallas would not play in Dallas. They go to Minnesota or California, yeah. wherever Arizona. What do you think about that? Because in one instance, I understand the unfair advantage of having your players at home, and I get that the expanding of being sequestered when one team's players have their own houses and apartments, so there's a lot more uh, risk of spreading and contagion that way. But that seems very weird, doesn't it? It does. I mean, the one thing, it's kind of control is kind of, a, there's there's two thoughts of the pro camp for why this would be. One is there's the control of, um, if it was in Dallas, hypothetically, um, you've got players living can be if there's quest they're right near their families and you're talking about a larger contagion pool for lack of a better word um and, and everything's under one roof at least if everyone's from a hotel and no one's native there um the other just kind of reason for it is the teams and the cities that are bidding for the hub cities i think people need to realize and people need to remember with the caveat there's no fans there's not going to be fans right so it's it's not like you are doing this the reason if you're a city bidding for this it's not to raise your own brand at all it is a financial move it is a it is a hey we want to do what we can to help the league get back on so we can make that tv money and it helps the local economy doesn't it it helps the local economy and and actually you know what by not say say it was dallas was the hub city by not having Dallas the stars in the hub city you actually maybe help the local economy even more because that's another team of hotel rooms and another team hmm, yeah. eating, eating, eating. I mean, just, it's, it's, it's a, but the, the, the point is the teams aren't trying to be, um, the teams, while they, I'm sure it would be nice to have their own facilities and stuff like that. It's going to be weird no matter where they play. And it's not like there's, frankly, I don't think even, I don't even think of a team. I also don't, I don't really see much of an argument that someone says, Oh, you're a hub city. You're home. I don't see home ice advantage in an empty building. Like, I just, I don't see it. Like it's not, we're not talking, this isn't like baseball where the parks are weird and you could be like, oh, well, you're, this is a... Uh... Do you think there's a difference having your... Let's say you're the host city. You get your NHL locker room and weight facility, which is in the locker room complex and all the stuff that is connected, you know, the training room and the, the lounge in there, all kept separate from the rest of the teams. Is that a benefit versus you're just one of the teams shoved in an auxiliary locker room? A little bit, but I don't think it really changes the result on the ice. Like, I don't think right. it has that type of impact. Like, I think I think the bigger – I mean, I also think we see a point, too, where um, – I mean, the only the only, the only only way I could see, hypothetically, a host team having a real home ice advantage is – and this wouldn't be the case. I'm sure they would flip it around – is if all of a sudden they said, oh, well, you're the host team, so you get the last change every game. That would be the only <laughs> – Right. Yeah. Home ice advantage, but I don't think that would even be the case. I think it would just be kind of a coin flip of, well, you're the home team, you're the road team, you get last change this time, like stuff like that. So, so the other part of this that was is getting more and more interesting is that some of the players are coming out saying they do not want to be sequestered and away from their families. And I don't know if you read your colleague Michael Russo's piece yeah. talking with Devin Dubnik. They did a, I think they did a pool zoom with not yep. just he, but other Minnesota Wild reporters. But yep. um, basically, Dubnik had to step away from hockey for a little bit earlier this year because his wife had a health issue. And when he came back, it was a pretty emotional thing. And he basically said, 
I'm not going away for two or three months without her and my kids. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be sequestered. And, you know, life is short. We've already had an issue. We're sticking together. So I can't say that Devin Dubnik speaks for the entire league, but I think there's a lot of players that probably, at least players with families, or even just with wives or girlfriends without kids. Um, I think that there's a situation here where if they do sequester them, it's probably going to have to be with families, which is going to make the logistics a lot harder. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's going to be a big fighting point for the NHLPA. I mean, I've had the, like, it's, no, I'm not going to, it's a similar conversation where it's the type of conversation I've had with, I have, we have no idea what this is going to look like and right. what media will look like, but we've had that conversation in my own home of like, well, do, if, if the stars are going to a place where they're going to be, if say it's Minnesota, just to pick a random sure. place, if they're going to go to Minnesota and are, do we want do we want me to just go and be gone for three for two months to, to 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 do this? I mean, that's it's the type of thing where I can definitely see the the, the player's perspective of, and it's it's a different. It's obviously it's the player. It's it's this is a very different thing for someone like Ben Bishop who has a young son and another one on the way, as opposed to Anton Hudobin. I'm just picking two guys right. who play the same yeah, position. Yeah, for sure. Who, who, Anton Hudobin, it's just Anton Hudobin. Or how so, about how about yeah. a difference between a veteran and a rookie? Yeah. You, typically, mm-hmm. the younger players aren't at that stage of their life. Now, not always the case, right? A guy like Riley Tufty is already a dad, and and so the, and Joel Esperance, I believe, as well. But that yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, that Dennis Gurianoff or Rope Hints have the same extended family built up because they're younger. I mean, it's just sort of natural no, but, but this, evolution. But, 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 but this ties into the deeper issue, too, of, and this goes back to when we talked about the taxi squads last week. Do I really, I mean, just hypothetical, like, you can't say no because you don't want to ruin your career, but just like, just let's use Riley Tufty as an example. Does Riley Tufty really want to be away from his young son? So he can practice for three weeks. That's a good good point. Yeah. Like like I mean, you're running into some deeper issues of do it's not just the guys who are going to be playing; it's going to be the other guys too, or even someone like Taylor Fadoon, who recently had a baby, who in theory is the eighth defenseman right now. Um, well, Taylor, you're not gonna you're just gonna sit and watch hockey unless somebody practice. gets hurt, right? Yeah, and so you can't. Is that something where you want like? Um, I think that's going to be a big fight for the NHLPA on the side of this of, okay, they're going to want to see families and need to see their families. And I understand that. So that's a big, uh, it's, it's interesting. We had a poll where we talked to players and the players overwhelmingly want to play, but the issue is the issue is there it's, it's, there's a big difference between wanting to play and the caveats to actually fitting it. Right. And and some players are going to have different, feelings on it because of where they are as you mentioned in their respective positions for example if you are a key player on a playoff team then that would be something that would be probably pretty incentivized to figure out a way to have another kick at the can because most of these players are saying something to the effect of do we actually have a shot to win a cup because these kind of shots don't come very often right on the flip side, Devin Dubnik, now the Minnesota Wild were on a little bit of a run. They have a chance to maybe make the playoffs. He lost his starting job during the season. So is he in that position and feeling differently than, say, Ben Bishop, who knows he's the number one, 
knows he's going to make the playoffs, and wants to not burn a chance to win a cup during his career. So here's the fascinating. Here's the here's the fascinating ones to me is what does to use a Dallas example. What does Roman Polak want to do? Because Roman Polak's yeah. career, Roman Polak may never play. In, if we don't come back, Roman Polak may never play an NHL game. He's at a point where he may get another contract, but reach the point where he may not. And so, does Roman Polak want one last chance to win a Stanley Cup? And is he willing to be sequestered from his family during that time to end, and maybe end his career of going after Stanley Cup? Or even Corey Perry falls in that category too. Andre so Sekera as well. Yeah. So Secker, I think, would still get a contract for next year, but Perry okay. and Pollock, to me, are still kind of those ones that fall sure. into the. Um, will they? Will is 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 it worth being away from your family for what maybe could be your last chance at the playoffs? So yeah, um, that's interesting. I, I think I think his answer will be yes. Now I can't speak for him, but my guess would be that because this is one last maybe one last shot, and we've been watch, watching a lot of Michael Jordan stuff late, lately that suggests that. That's a pretty big motivator to know this might be the last one. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it would be really it'd be interesting to see. And and I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe some of the European, uh, um, maybe some of the European guys. I, I wonder if there's maybe there's some of the European guys who are a little more open to being sequestered just because that's something they've done in their careers before. Right. Like you, like you remember, people forget. Um, one of the things people forget is just because um, the players have a girlfriend or something like that, and this is particularly with the girlfriends, not with wives, with the girlfriends, they can't stay here the whole season. They can only stay for, I believe, I believe it's six months at a time, and there's there's visa issues and stuff like that. And so Radic Foxa, for example, is used to spending part of the season where his girlfriend is back in the Czech Republic. Sure. And so – and. Uh, and, and that's something where if you're a player who has someone who's local or whatever, it's it's different. So it just it's kind of all these factors that stack up that are really interesting. So uh, moving on from that, another interesting issue that came up or that could come up today is the fact that the American Hockey League is supposed to have a call. Now, Sean, I I haven't looked since I got up this morning. If I don't think it has come out yet officially, if it's going to, but. Everybody's anticipating that this Board of Governors meeting today, which I, I thought it was scheduled for early afternoon, Eastern time, like one one thirty. So it may have already happened since we're recording, but I haven't heard any news yet. Maybe you have, but they basically everyone's ex- expectation is, is that in this Board of Governors call, they are going to officially cancel their season because they, like the NHL right now, are, have just paused. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, that's just a finality of something that we've known, though. Just like, just to be frank, I mean, I think talking to people and talking to players and talking to coaches, like to me, it's just a, it's just cross, dotting, uh, dotting eyes and crossing T's on that. That's not really. I mean, it's news when it officially happens. But the way I talked to Jim Nill a couple of weeks ago, the way you talk to other people and around the league, like, I, I there was no way that league was going to be able to come back without attendance and without fans. It's right. too much of a gate-driven league. They and don't have the TV contracts. In, yeah. And you add in the fact of the the financials that it would take to get that up in different places, it just wasn't going to happen. No. So 
um, the AHL season is over. I think we're, we're just waiting for the official death certificate on the season, basically. I think the reason why it's so interesting to me, though, is that it's in the midst of a planned succession of their president, David Andrews, who's been doing it for decades, planned retirement, which he is still following through on, and their new president taking over. And, um, you know, David Andrews, I've had a ch- uh, the pleasure to meet him a few times in my <laughs> AHL days, and he's a very well-respected hockey executive and what he's done in the AHL and keeping it together and growing it with the goal of having one team per NHL affiliate versus some shared ones at times and navigating through the California uh, sort of shift expansion move. I think he's just done an incredible job. But so it is fascinating to me to see this all happen as he's on the way out the door. He's not there yet, but he's about to be. Yeah, I think, what is it? Is it June 30th is his last day? I believe day? so, because I believe okay. he was supposed to sort of pass the torch at the end of their fiscal year, which is yeah. at the end of June. Yeah, I think he was like, his last action officially would have been kind of handing off the 2020 Calder Cup to... Like, Correct. That would have been kind of, yeah, so. Which would have been a really cool final thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he has dec- a couple decades worth of that, so that's not that big a yeah. deal. Finally, Sean, in our, our news segment... We both got the email yesterday as the Comerica Center uh, and the Children's Health Star Centers announced their plans to reopen their facilities starting, I believe, next week with the first step. And I just wanted to get your thoughts about it because they're they're taking stages and there's lots of precautions in it. And as I went through it, I understand that they're following the state's guidelines that the governor has laid out and they're trying to be very careful with sanitation how comfortable would you be uh going to a adult drop-in or stick and puck session starting may 25th which is when they're planning to do that i I wouldn't go just to be like just to be frank about it i wouldn't go um i mean we're talking about like it's we're, we're at a spot where you talk about spreading disease in places that are gross already. Like, I mean, an adult hockey locker room or any locker, an adult hockey, beer league hockey locker room, um, and in a, in a bench and everything like that. It's disgusting already. Like, it's just, it's just true. The amount of, the amount of spitting, the amount of just, it's, it's, it's not a clean place anyway. And it's the type of spot where, you're going to have, I mean, I understand, I understand they're trying to set guidelines based off the state reopening and stuff like that, but like some of them just seem like don't make any sense to me. Like as far as if you're in a spot where the, the rule is you can't enter the building without wearing a mask. That's right? correct. Yes. And, but you, and you technically, according to the rules, you have to wear a mask in the locker room too and everything like that, but you don't have to wear masks on the ice. And that's that's the part that bothers me the most is that you and look, I'm not saying claiming I'm an expert in this. And I I can't imagine the people that are running any of these types of public facilities, because look, we're all I know you are. I am clamoring to play hockey. I want to go play pickup soccer. I want to go play tennis, for goodness sakes. Anything, any like, you know, I keep in shape by running a lot and doing things, but. I typically like to do those to stay in shape for recreational sports, not just to run. 
And yeah. so we're all dying to have the social interaction and the fun of playing adult sports again in a variety of different ways. But I have a hard time going, okay, I'm going to be required to wear a mask, which I wear whenever we go to grocery stores. I, you know, we always do it by one person. We don't go as a family unit because that's yeah. just an unnecessary risk. But yeah, here's my problem. You wear a mask to walk into the lobby. You wear it to, and at least initially the plans are locker rooms aren't available the first couple of weeks. So it's more like a free skating, public skate kind of thing. And then eventually yeah. that you'll do that. Okay, so then you get to early June and the plans are that the locker rooms are available and then the men's leagues and kids' leagues are starting in the middle of June, June 15th. That's the plan. Again, I'm yeah. not trying to criticize or praise this. I'm just telling you my feelings is... I don't understand, and you kind of touched on this. You wear a mask to walk in the building. You wear a mask into the locker room. You get dressed. You take your mask off, and now you go skate with 20 or 30 other people, sweating, spitting, breathing, yeah. all in a relatively confined indoor place. Again, outdoor is not – outdoor is better, but it's still not perfect. But sitting on the bench or, or skate, like, there's no way you can avoid contamination. No, and let's let's take this to like I don't think I already. I mean, there's there's going to be adults who are going to, to to infect. But just let's just use it for an example. You have a son who plays. You have a son who plays hockey there. I have two. And you have you have two who play hockey there. And do you really trust all of those? I mean, as much as you may lo- as much as you may think your kid's responsible, do you really trust your kid not to spit on the bench? Do you really trust every single kid to not? To, to, to not uh, to real to follow this by the letter of the law it, it, like that's the other thing too like we've got there's so many things and just the the fact that you could have the, the other thing that's just hilarious to me too is there's still and I'm not sure I'm, I may be crossing my hairs on this one because I know I also got emails recently from the two rinks in Austin so I'm not sure right but but there was the uh, one of those emails was about how uh, Post game hand, uh, no, you have to keep your gloves on during post game handshakes. Why is there even a handshake line? Yeah, like that's that's the oh we're gonna go by and bump fist. Okay, sure, you and I, you and I, our hands won't touch. But if I say good game to you, I'm speaking towards you. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I think that the, no, there's no, a lot of these okay. details that aren't really well thought out, and I think that's gonna change at least in the short term in this issue until we get to the point if there's a a widely available vaccine where then this can mm-hmm. become just another issue and not something like yep. a pandemic, which it clearly is at the moment. And look, there's a lot of people that are clamoring to do it and don't care, right? You and I have mm-hmm. both had uh, men's league teammates from various teams that we are associated with that can't wait to sign up for this after this email came out. And again, I'm not trying to make any political commentary on this or say whether or not they should. It's just more of a, this is my personal feeling. Is it like, for example, you and I started playing in a pickup soccer game right before this started. And I'll, I remember this because right at the time of the shutdown, you and I had played once and it was like, Hey, that was really great. We found a new game. Now we can do this. It's on the weekend. It's sort of a convenient time for us. I, I'm really excited to do this again and again because it's a lot of fun. And I'll I never forget, I don't know if you remember this. I was texting with you and you were like, I'm still gonna go this Saturday, which was what, four days, three, four days after the, the pause. It was two days after the pause on March twelfth. 
And I said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And then you t- texted me later go, yeah, I guess I'm not going. <laughs> because yeah. you had that thought of, I want to keep living my life. I can't be scared of this. And then the longer you thought, it was, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. we got to be smart about this. Let's not just race out yeah. because it's something we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 and you have to think about the, everyone else involved too. I mean, it's like, even if, even if I go and I'm healthy and even if it's something where I get this and say, I'm say I'm, say I'm a, what's the word where you're, where you may carry it, but you're not. Oh, that would sick. be your asymptomatic, an yeah. asymptomatic carrier. But, like, but even say Say I'm asymptomatic hypothetically, and save save, and that was the situation where I could go and get it. But do I really want to come home and bring that home to my to my soon to be two year old? Like that's not or your wife. Yeah. So it's yeah. It, it's not. And it, you can't trust the other people that you play with. Like for example, I can't wait to go play pickup soccer again with one yeah. of the couple of groups that I play with. I can't wait yeah. to go skate a Sevy Nooner. I would love to play with my beer league team. I don't know where those people have been, right? And so the similar thing comes to me is so we're talking about, and this is no disrespect to the Star Center employees, but we're oh we're going to clean this every thirty minutes. I mean the same we've said the same thing about like they're like oh well we're going to like they open movie theaters and people have gone people have gone to see some people some movie theaters have opened. Having done some work in a movie theater before and knowing <laughs> how those are cleaned. There's no way the typical movie theater staff can clean that effectively to right. what you need. And so are we talking about when you say, okay, we're going to scrub, scrub, we're going to clean services every, every 30 minutes. Is it really effective? Like, are we really, are we trusting the, the guy who did skate rentals? Is he just going to take a Lysol wipe over everything every 30 minutes? What does that mean? Like there's, there's so many. And do they have yeah. enough material to do it? Because a yeah. lot of places, even hospitals are having trouble finding the yeah. correct disinfectant these days and this is not this is the other thing too and this is very this is like i was curious so i dropped this question into just into a group message with a bunch of other writers i know if if anyone knew and the only only place where they said right now we hear they might be opening rinks soon is uh, our correspondent in washington said his son's coach had emailed them that he they something might be happening in virginia soon because he lives in virginia but other than that, every single one, Arizona, Toronto, Chicago, all these places where it's like, nope, everything's shut down. So, Well, I'll uh, tell you one thing, Sean. To wrap this segment up, my hair's getting longer and longer, and I'm not complaining because it's a pretty small sacrifice in comparison. But I'm not even sure if they open barbershops and hair salons uh, this week that that would be something that I would take a, a gamble on yet. Well, in the barbershop and hair salon thing is kind of funny to think about because they says like, oh, well, we suggest you still go get uh, – we still suggest both the, the, the hair cutter and the hair cutties <laughs> get their uh, – um, wear, wear masks, right? Right. And so just – and just – but just – I was thinking about this just like – for example, when I go and get my hair cut done, I also have them touch up my beard too. Just it's – that's the type of thing where it's like, you know what? That's not happening if I'm wearing a mask, and not that I would go anyway, but just kind right. of right. No, you're right. Like, yeah, it's like. And when so. you go to the grocery store, depending on where you go, so for example, I see a lot of people wearing face masks, which is great, mm-hmm. but not everybody wears them, and there are more people at certain places than others, and that's depending on the store. So, anyway, yeah. interesting topic of conversation, and I think that that's also another thing of. It's going to be various people and how they interpret what they think is the right thing to do. And also 
the fact that from a government standpoint, from local municipalities to cities to states to federal, it has been so inconsistent. We're not all on the same page. And that's maybe a bigger issue. Yeah. All right. That's it for segment one. Up next, we're going to go off the board, so to speak. We have some personal updates to share with you that are less hockey related, but more and just what we've been doing lately. Gonna build a big fence around my baby. Oh yeah. Build a big fence around my baby. Oh yeah. I like everything that you do, honey. That's why I'm in love with you. Gonna build a big fence around my baby so they can't steal my baby from me. I just love the way you sigh and twinkle in your eyes. Alright, welcome to segment two. In this instance, not hockey related, but that's part of uh, our quarkast, I think, is kind of have a little bit of fun of other things. We decided this week to not do a classic game review for a couple of reasons. And one of them was we hadn't agreed to one. And then also was we got busy doing some other things, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, why I wasn't trying to reach out to Sean earlier in the week to set up a classic game review. So we won't have that this week. I I do have a classic game point, actually. Okay, go ahead. So I've realized, so I have been, like, we've watched a couple of the games, and I know people have been really enjoying reliving the 99 Cup Final and everything like that. But And it's not just Fox Sports Southwest. It's everything. You turn on ESPN, it's a classic game. Everything, that's the only games that are on. They're replays of classic games. And so I've realized why... And I've realized why I classic games really don't do it for me. Like it, obviously they're not the, they're not they're not live sports. They're not the real thing. But I've noticed for me one of the things about the classic games is when every game is a classic game, there's no surprise. There's no. Um, I'm not asking for boring sports, but but having a hockey game that's a typical hockey game that's two nothing going into the third period and ends two nothing. I'm still enjoyed by watching that, but if I'm watching one of these classic games and whether, like, I saw one the other day that was on, and I, I was sitting, maybe I was flipping through NHL Network, and I can't remember what the game was, but basically it was a game where it was in the second period and it was 4 nothing for one team. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> this this game is clearly going to be, this game is going to end 5-4 or 6-5 or something like that. And, and lo and behold, it definitely did. I looked it up. But it was the type of thing where it's like, when you have every game as a class. Again, we don't get that drama of could it become an actual good game. And actually, it's funny. Like I've been watching some of the in the mornings now. I've been watching just some of the the actual some of the Korean baseball on ESPN. And even though those games haven't been great, it's still been the at least the kind of I it's it's a live sport where anything could happen. And this game may be eight nothing. And you know what? It's probably going to end eight nothing. We're in the eighth inning. It's eight nothing. It's probably going to be a blowout, but. I'll watch it, and if it ends that, I'm not going to be upset. But I'm also not there. I also don't. I also don't have this knowing that it's going to end eight eight because that's the only type of game we're airing right now. So. What I struggle with is what you're talking about. If it's predictable, yeah. When we did the Arizona game last week, it was predictable because it wasn't a very good game. Stars were winning, and then we said, "Well, if they win two to nothing, there's nothing classic about this at all. Something's going to happen." Mm-hmm. Arizona comes back and scores and ties the game. Yeah. 
And then you and I both had the same thought as we're watching it. Well, the Stars are going to win this one because they wouldn't air a classic game where they blew a 2-0 lead and lost 3-2 yeah. to Arizona. So then you knew something was going to happen. I struggle with watching live sports, even if I know, or not live sports, but DVR'd sports. If, if you know what's going to happen. If I know the score. Yeah. I am so much less interested in watching a soccer game if I've already found out the results. Because yeah. it's that not knowing and the anticipation, maybe even the anxiety if it's a team you really cheer for a lot of, are they going to win? Can they win? Can they come back from this? Did they fall behind? Like, Now, look, don't get me wrong. Going back and watching a classic game is fun, and I like that. And sure, there are some that you'd love to see. But the one of the reasons why sports is the best reality TV out there is because it's not like a script. And, you know, look, you watch a movie, and maybe the thriller has a, a twist that you didn't predict. And so that's exciting because, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But guess what? The next time you watch the movie, you don't get that same, oh, my God, Darth Vader's Luke's father. I never saw that coming. Because yeah. now you know. Still, no, it's, it's still a great movie, and I'll watch it a billion times. But that's not the point. But it's your perfect example is the uh, is kind of uh, for me. It's the the Premier League soccer. Yes. Like a typical, like in the one of the things that, especially for if it's a Spurs game, I'm intentionally I, I I go out of my way to block out and to Twitter. Like there'll be Saturdays where we're going to a morning skate, right? And I Spurs are playing at the Spurs are playing at the exact same time, and so I'll mute everything on Twitter, so I have no idea what happens when I get back. Um, now, some, sometimes if that gets spoiled, that gets kind of frustrated, and maybe I still watch it. But at that point, I'm still like, this is my favorite team, but I still, I yeah, it's been, I know what's going to happen, and, so, and the same thing goes where I try to avoid all of the updates because I'll sometimes throw a, another I'll DVR another random game or something like that. Say it's. West Ham versus someone, and it doesn't even, it doesn't. I don't care who wins, but if I see it pop up, oh, West Ham uh, beats Arsenal two to one or something like that. I'm like, well, I, I know what's going to happen. I don't really. So uh, I have a perfect so example I, of this. So I have a yeah. Liverpool versus Bournemouth match still on my DVR from this season, where Liverpool won two nil. Okay. I avoided Twitter. I thought for a while, and then got spoiled. And so I started watching it. I found out it was a 2-0 win. I was like, ah, darn it. I should have been better at this. So I turn it on and I start watching. And they score the second goal. I think it was about the 55th or 60th minute. So there's 30 minutes of soccer left to watch. And I paused because I was in the middle of doing something else. It's still on there at the same point because I wanted to finish it because I'm stubborn. and wanted to. It's like finishing a book. You want to finish it even if you're not enjoying it. But... What am I going to watch? Well, I enjoy watching the interplay. That's, I mean, soccer and hockey, there's so few, there's typically such low scoring. You have to enjoy the buildup. Otherwise, you won't, it's not like watching basketball where there's, you know, 50 field goals made by each team or something like that. Yeah. And hundreds of points. So, but what we're, the anticipation of this could lead to a goal is, is what's good, scoring chances. But I know that not one of those is going to go in from, the 60th minute on and so i haven't got been able to get myself to finish that match for that reason yeah no it, it's it's similar to like the 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 sporting events i have the old the sporting events i have enjoyed watching most since this has happened um as far as the replays have actually been um this and this was before the this was before they started playing the game the korean games 
Um, I have the ML, me, me and a friend split in a split an MLB TV subscription, and you have. And so I was a couple of weeks back. So I was just really missing baseball because baseball is really kind of my summer go to. Just like and so I picked a random. Ba- I turned scores off. I picked a random baseball game from the 2019 season <laughs> that had no idea. I, I, I it was a. Uh, I think it was like a Giants Cardinals game or something like that. Completely random baseball game. Just picked it at random. Had no idea who won, and just had it on in the background and watched it. And it was like I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea what the score was going to be, but it was still something that I had in the background. It was sports, and you know what? When the game ended, it was like six three or something like that. But it was still a game where it's like, oh, you know what? I don't know. I had no idea that the this team was going to score twice in the eighth there. I didn't know what the final score was. I didn't know that there was a number we had to count up to. So um, it's knowing what's going to happen is like there are some classic games that I think I would be I'd like to see. But those but there there are some classic games I would like to see, but there are those fall under the category I've never seen them and they're for that reason. Like That's right the same thing of the time frame, yeah. right? If you watch a game yeah. whether it's DVR or live on TV, but it's a classic game. You can see on the guide how yep. long the, the recording is going to go, mm-hmm. so you know things have to wrap up within a certain time frame. Well, there's yep. no way this game's going to overtime or extra innings. They've got five minutes left in the broadcast, yep. so when it's live, it doesn't matter what the guide says. If it's going to go long, it's going to push into sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean overtime hockey to me is probably the worst thing as a classic as a classic game goes because you pull up the guide and you know okay this is when the game's going to end. So I know this is when the overtime goal's coming or I know who's going to win. Like right. to me that that's, it loses everything of what overtime hockey is. Um, there are, like I was going to say, there are, there do, there are some categories that fall under classic games that, you know what I would probably watch, even though I can easily know what's going to happen. It's like, for example, I know in Canada this week, they're showing the 1987 Canada cup. And just as a hockey just as a hockey fan and everything like that, I've heard about how good that series was, how good the hockey was in that, and I would like to watch that, but I've never seen it before. And that's more of a curiosity yeah. of, of 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 seeing Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky playing on the same team. I'd like to see that. I'd, I'd like to watch that, but I also know what's going to happen. So the reason that's drawing me in is for a different reason. But yeah, um, anywho couple of things I wanted to point out yeah. before we get to our store. One thing I want to say is that it is National Nurses Week. Uh, yep. This is where everybody's been paying tribute to all the nurses out there across the country. Um, I believe National Nurses Day was Wednesday, if I remember correctly. That sounds right, because but the days of the week run together. It now, is. So, uh, so it, it was a couple yeah. of days ago. It wasn't yesterday, yeah. I know for sure. So I'm guessing Wednesday was the day because uh, we did a nice little tribute, at least I thought so, um, me and the boys, we, or the boys and I posted, uh, posed for, um, with, we all had game worn jerseys. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I, I had it all, it all had Newkirk on the back. Mine was from my college club team. That's the one I decided to use because I don't think I have a men's league Jersey with my name on it. I've never forked the bill for an extra, you know, to spend the money to do that. Some guys do, or some teams have that I just have said ah you know plain jersey with the numbers fine so but my I have I had a high school jersey with my name on I was going to use or my college one that's what I picked kids have Dallas Stars Metro Hockey League ones that say Newkirk on it and so we taped Nicole's name my wife who is a nurse 
and took a picture and then sent it out and got some really nice re- responses on that. And yeah. um, not just to give my wife a shout out, but also just to everybody out there because you know, look, Sean, we talk about all these other things with hockey related. These the the people that are working in hospitals, in doctors' offices, uh, EMTs, first responders, all the frontline people. They're doing a lot more important stuff than what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it was. I thought it was a cool tribute to see, kind of, uh, obviously what you did, and as well, just kind of seeing that across the world and social media. That was a pretty cool trend to see, um, and obviously those are the people that our thoughts need to be with right now because they're the ones that are, um, they're the ones that are they're living through this more than any of us. And people may be bitching and complaining about how we're stuck in our houses and something like that, but it's not really, it's not nearly the, what they're going through. Some of those stories are really crazy and, and terrifying and sad. So I can't imagine what the ICU nurses are doing with their critical yeah. care, especially in hotspots like New York and others where yeah. there's so many, patients and they don't have enough or they have near you know they're taxed near capacity and it's not just about well we don't have enough personal protective equipment it's also you you're doing it for hours on end and you're risking your own health and safety because it's not it's one thing to go to the hospital and treat people that are dealing with trauma or some other physical ailment that is awful but you know yeah. that if, if somebody comes in with a car accident you're not going to suddenly end up with a broken leg because you yeah. got too close to them yeah, you're not. Yeah, you can't catch a broken arm. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, so anyway, thank you to all the nurses out yeah. there, all the doctors, yes, anybody that's involved in healthcare, first responders. We really appreciate that. On a totally flip note, and this is a terrible segue, but let's just do it anyway. Sean, you and I have had a couple of goofy things happen this week. One of the reasons why I got caught up and then didn't realize until yesterday that you and I hadn't touched base about what we were going to yeah. do for today's podcast was... I had been planning on replacing the be- the gate to our backyard fence. Um, it's uh, at least 10 years old, maybe longer, and the wood is starting to rot, and the hinges, the bolt for the hinges are starting to come out, and it was just becoming a mess. So I got all the materials. I planned how I've, I've never built a gate before, but it's one of those things where I was pretty confident I I knew I could figure it out. Let I, I don't want to go so far as to say I knew what I was doing, but uh-huh. I thought I could figure it out. I mean, and this is not a story of my ineptitude. This is more of a frustration. So I get the, uh, I'm going to do a cedar board, you know, cedar fence pickets. And uh, to, the funny thing is you get to learn what kind of shoddy builder grade material the original, uh, you know, development used versus what's up to code. So for example, all our fences still have wooden beams as or, or poles as the, posts nowadays anybody who is a proper respectable fence builder uses metal posts poles and attaches the wood to them and all of the cross beams or rails on our fence are all two by threes that are rotting and falling apart because they're old and nobody does that anymore unless they're really trying to save money and and be shoddy so they all use two by fours much bigger thicker it seems like only one extra inch but it's a really big difference so anyway Get all the materials together. And then uh, a couple of days ago, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I start doing demolition. I, I take down the fence and I start, or not the fence, I take down the gate part. And then I have to remove a couple of fence segments to get to the various po- portions of it. So as I'm 
trying to rip these nails out, and some of them are really in there from over the years. I notice, you know, I'm noticing that the the posts are still wooden, and one of the the people employees I talked to when I went to get lumber had said, "Gee, I hope your posts are still good, and they're not going to snap." And I went, "No, oh, no. They, they feel pretty good." Well, as I'm taking out oh, a no. fence segment, one of the posts made a noise that was not good. Oh no. And the problem was is that I was kind of leaning on it a little bit to catch myself when I was pulling this pry bar to another one. Now, I didn't snap it in half. But basically, after I heard that, I shook it and it wiggled. It had a lot of play in it that it shouldn't have had. And I knew right away that if I decided to put my weight on it, I could snap the whole thing down. So there, right there, I didn't even start building. We're still in demo mode. That's it. I can't build it now because if I build this on this shoddy pole, at some point it's going to break and then I'm going to have a bigger problem on my hands. Uh-huh. So this is the short version of my story because now I'm talking to my next door neighbor who's a wonderful guy about maybe having his fence guy come in and redo that whole side between our properties because it's uh, we, have a, we have a double backyard. I know, fancy, right? But we don't have a house behind us, so we probably have... Uh, a couple hundred feet between us down that side of the property. Um, and uh, it's about, a qu- what, a quarter acre lot, I think it is, uh, give or take. And so he had his fence replaced on the other side, adjacent to the next house down. And it's re- he did the, the guy who did it did a really nice job. So I go see Jim, who's my next door neighbor, and say, hey, Maybe instead of this, because I'm not really thinking I want to dig and do metal poles and and secure it with concrete. And I mean, I could, but I'd have to go get some more tools because I don't have a, a post hole digger and I'd have to go get cement. And again, can do it, but maybe we should have a professional come in and do a better job. So that's that's what happened to me. I spent a lot of time ripping things apart and then I had to do sort of a shoddy jerry rigged put a couple sections back up now we we can't actually get through there there's no gate because i made basically a solid fence but i was proud of at least how it didn't look terrible after the fact so now we're in this flux so if i have to mow the lawn i either have to carry the lawnmower through the house which is no small feat oh my god or i have to throw it over the back fence or i would have to go remove some screws take the section out and then be able to go through so i'm Kind of hoping the grass doesn't grow real fast this week. Yeah. So there you go. Good luck with, good luck with that, especially after the rain last night. So. I'm disappointed, too, because the most fun, like everybody thinks that demolition is is, is great. And yeah. I, I have worked construction before. I was between broadcasting jobs a bunch of years ago, probably a decade ago now. And I did some in ripping drywall out and was working for a construction company briefly. And there were days where it was fun. And then there were days where my back hurt so much from ripping out floor tiles that I was reevaluating why I went to college for this. Um, not specifically for construction, of course, but um, demo is only fun for a little bit until you mm-hmm. start to get tired. Then it's no fun anymore. I find yeah. building a lot more fun. So I never got the enjoyment of actually being able to construct what I had planned in my head. And I was disappointed about that. Yeah. All right. So that's my story of this week. But you have a story that's way better, and it's not actually, from this week, but I want to hear about it. Lawn mowing is actually a good segue on this, actually. <laughs> um, Great. 
So, I think this was what, two weeks ago now? I think. Anywho. Um, so, we are... Two, about two weeks ago, the we have someone uh, come knock on our door. And kind of confused at me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe someone who's dropped off a package has knocked on a door or whatever. Like, obviously, you know all of the people who... Someone knocks on the door and this guy is... I'm looking through them and I'm like, did he leave a package? What's going on? Someone's not, someone's not acting as a sale. Like, what is this person doing here? Open the door and said, Oh, um, I'm really sorry. Um, we broke your Jeep. My Jeep is parked. We have our Jeep, uh, we have our Jeep Grand Cherokee parked in front of the house right now. Well, it was at the time right now. It's in the garage through the driveway. Um, but, um, and, this was, and so I'm like, what do you, I'm like, I'm confused. Like, what do you mean you broke the Jeep? I'm like, I can see it. And um, it's like, yeah, um, we, we broke the window on the Jeep and the Jeep it's, and now I say this at first and like, I told this story just to, uh, I think it was my dad. He was like, was like, wait, so did someone like bump to like, did like, did their car run into it? So, no car, no other car, no other car around the, and by the way, you could tell a different story about that Jeep and your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, two, so this person who's knocking on my door is the landscaper or the lawnmower, whatever term you want to use for my next door neighbor to the right. And they were mowing, they're mowing the lawn, they're doing, they're doing the lawn service and the house and and they ran over a sprinkler head for the house two doors down from me so they're on they're doing like the barrier they're right on the kind of the, the barrier between the two yards they ran over the sprinkler head and the house two doors down from me apparently has metal sprinkler heads oh no metal sprinkler head shoots probably a good 60 feet <laughs> 60 feet through the back of my window through the back of my, my back window shield on the Jeep shatters the back window completely. Uh, thankfully, actually, thankfully it hit low on the back window, window, window shield and, and didn't go keep going through the front because clearly this thing had some pace. Like, um, was there glass all in your car? Yeah. Oh. So did it, was it tiny little pieces or, uh, some tiny pieces, but it did, Kind of did the more of the shattering of kind of holding together a little bit. Safety uh, glass. Yeah, and the guy who's knocking on our door and, and 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 I can tell he's feeling. I actually give him a lot of so I I do want to give him a lot of credit because we he could have they could have finished the lawn and left and we would have never known. Just to be frank, we didn't hear it. We didn't we didn't we didn't hear anything. We didn't hear that break, and so I it could have been a very they could have they could have mowed the lawn and left and. Later that night, when I went to take the dogs for a walk, I could have, I would have walked out there, and it would have looked like I would have had no idea what happened and why someone smashed in my window and took nothing out of the car. Do you think so, you would have eventually found the sprinkler head in your scare jeep? Probably, but you would have, but it would have been like, how did this get in there? Like, it's the type of thing where you don't even know what it really is. Well, my curiosity and, is, would your detective work eventually have led you to? Well, there's a sprinkler head in no. my jeep. My window's broken. The trage- you, you get a ballistics report, and yeah. I think you put it together over a, you, a day or two. You, you knew it would have come from the, the certain direction. <laughs> but, um, and the guy who's knocking on our door and doing it, 
he's not the one who was actually driving the mower when it did it. It's him and they, it's the guy who asked, who knocked at the door. I want to say he's mid to late thirties guy who's clearly just like, this is his, this is his business. And, and the guy, the person driving is like a high school age kid who, oh, was, oh no. yeah. who shot it through the window. And so, so need to obviously get this fixed, right? I just can't go out having a, a back window shield. And so, um, we end up, I end up moving, getting a setting up and like, okay. Um, I call safe light to say like, okay, hey, they're going to come out and do it on Saturday. And the guy, there was a bit of, there was a quote that was from safe light and I sent it to, to the, the guy and he's like, he's like, Hey, if I just, uh, would you be okay if I shopped around just to see, and he's paying for it and fixing it. So I'm fine with that. So he, on. Um, Friday says like, Oh, Hey, we're going to have someone come. We're going to have someone come. I'm going to have someone come out there and fix the Jeep. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Fine. That's okay. It's in, it's in, it's in the drive. I have it parked in the driveway. I just taped a tarp over it just in case it had rained and I didn't want that. He wasn't seeing in. And so Friday, this is a Friday or this is a Friday afternoon. No, it's a Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Somebody comes and knocks on the door and I opened the door. I've never met this person before. How many said, days oh. was this from smashing to this day? Uh, two days. So okay. this would have been a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. When I called Safe Light, they couldn't come out till Saturday. Okay. Like they couldn't. Like I could have brought it there, but I was like, I'm not going to drive. I, I wasn't going to. I could have brought it there and got it fixed right away, but I wasn't going to. I didn't feel like driving there to fix it when I'm not going anywhere anyway. And I felt like just having one person come out and. So then you would have had to then try to recoup your money if you had done it yourself, right? If you had taken it to the place, you pay for it to get it fixed, then they have to come. Correct. Right. Correct. And so I was under the, was like, okay, we're going to have. That's just another step. And so, so someone knocks on the door and knocks on the door on Thursday and say, oh, well, I've, uh, I'm done. I'm done with the Jeep. And I'm like, wait, I didn't even know you were here. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know you were here. And like what like okay so i come out i come out to the i go back i open the garage door i go out into the back and look and they've they've done the job they've completed the thing and they're like they're like okay well now it's like okay well we're ready for payment i'm like payment i'm like i'm not the one paying you for this no no the guy who and the guy and so like the the guy who um hire who broke the window and then hire them to come fix it Never told the people he hired to come fix my windshield that he was the one he was paying for someone else. And so they're like, they're like, oh well, like I'm like, well, I'm not, like I'm not paying for that. That's what he's gonna come. And so they're like, well, we can't leave till he's gone. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna come. It's like, I'm like I'm gonna close the garage door right now, and I'm gonna have him. He can call you and come out and fix it. Right. But, <laughs> but I'm not gonna so, invite you in for iced tea and snacks while you wait. Exactly. And so he ended up, the guy ended up did coming over here and paying the people who fixed it and everything like that. But, um, oh, geez. So, so I'm surprised have... they didn't knock on your door to say, Hey, just want to let you know in advance, I'm here to do your windshield on the rear side of the car. Don't freak out. If you see some rando tinkering with your vehicle out back, I, I you know, I would have thought that too, but they didn't. So, yeah. So after all of that, you got a nice new rear windshield. How does it look? Does it look, uh, was it, looks, it a good job? It looks good. It works, everything like that. Um, it's, they use the, uh, our big fear was, my big fear was when you don't know who's doing it. If like, 
the windshield wipers working as the fluid stuff working that stuff's still working so it's all it's all working so how about the interior how long did it take to you to get all the glass out of the car i mean i hope everything's out of it now it's one of, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where like we did the original thing i haven't I'd still like to go, I'm probably going to go before we ever go somewhere anytime soon. I probably need to go take it and shop vac it just to be like, there's a little, uh, um, uh, wash. There's like a, there's a car wash place right around the corner from here that I would like to, before we end up putting, needing to put stuff into that trunk and actually needing to use that car for anything more than just picking up milk. Um, I, I'd probably, shop vac it one more time but and an inside joke because i know you and ride with you all the time did it yeah. will this incident help you actually clean out the interior of your jeep the jeep's clean the rest of the interior was cleaner <laughs> no like that that, that that was like a day that was like a day four or five. Oh, like that was a day, quarantine day. clean yeah that was like a long time ago just as far as like well here's something to do <laughs> was it easier for you to do, accomplish that task without the christmas tree tie down rope that i finally unstrung from the back seat uh we missed that a little bit of nostalgia so. <laughs> oh how many times we drove to the yeah. american airline center with that thing hanging out between your back door and, yeah. the, and the road well sean that was great i'm glad you were able to get through that without a lot of headache that could have been way worse and hopefully yeah. you enjoy your nice shiny new windshield uh, yep, I hope so too. All right, with that, it's time to get ready for the lightning round. Welcome back. Where'd you go? That's always a weird thing to say. When yeah. You didn't go anywhere. You probably just went from one segment to another with our little musical interlude. But it is time indeed for the lightning round. So, Sean, let's get right after it today as we try to attempt with one fewer segments to actually stay below the two-hour mark. Yeah. So I think we can do it. All right. Today's first question actually came from a couple days ago. Uh, Crawdaddy writes in, an early question for us. Do either of us see the Metroplex hosting an IIHF event such as the World Juniors or Men's Championships? We're talking about the International Ice Hockey Federation. Um, I mean, he used the word ever, so ever is a long time. But uh, as of right now, I don't, I, for, for one, I don't ever, I don't ever see, actually, I don't ever see the Metroplex hosting the IHF men's championships because those there's a reason those don't typically place take place in North America. No right. North American city that has a hockey following wants to plan on, on an event like that because their NHL team in theory should be playing at that time. It, so, it works in Europe because the European leagues are all done by yep. that point. So uh, there's no so the, the IHF men's championships. That's something that is that that, that I, I don't yeah I, I don't ever see that happening. Um, 
the, the World Junior one is a fascinating one to me because I think it's something that um, Dallas could host. Like they have the you could easily do you could easily do the setup where you do the you do the United States and Canada are playing every game at the AAC, and then you're also doing games in Frisco at the Comerica Center to 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 get the two to, to schedule going. And I think I think um, that's a, that's a fascinating idea, but. I think you have another market ahead of you have another quote unquote non-traditional hockey market ahead of you on that list. And that's Tampa because Tampa has obviously Tampa has hosted the frozen four twice before wants to host it again, has had sellouts of it each time. It's been a very, and I I would imagine um, it's the type of thing where that type of success would be the type of thing where maybe Tampa would be like, Hey, look what we've done with, this type of level of hockey right. and we, we can, we, you can bring everyone in here and do that. So um, I don't, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting idea and I could see, I could maybe see Dallas doing it. I, I think the other issue, um, just the other issue with Dallas and just the biggest problem with it is you have an NBA team and an NHL team that both um, need the building. So it's not like you can, even if the even if the stars were going to say, "Hey, we're going to co- host the World Junior, we're going to host World Junior, host World Junior, and use the AAC," um, the Mavericks are still going to be around and playing. You, it's just it's too. Mu- I think there's too much with. I think there's too much as far as the building and taking up the time that requires with two tenants. It's not like there's one tenant that has to just get a road trip. You have to and. Is Dallas really going to sacrifice Mavericks game home games around Christmas for? They're they're not going to. Well, the so. other thing is that I, I for just the interest of the building, do you think that they could sell out American Airlines Center or close for junior hockey, even if it's the I, world stage? They they struggle sometimes that in uh, northern American cities. Yeah. So I I don't no, see that happening. No, I mean the only the only places where you're gonna have like the only places you could really have the world junior and be a financial success in my mind in America is places where you're close enough for Canadians to drive to. That's why Buffalo does well. Right. That's why you could do it. You could do it in Detroit. It's close enough, but Pittsburgh you need, maybe. You, but yeah, but it needs to be in a place where because really the, the the big draw is the Canadian fans. They care more about that tournament than anyone else, and so. You need to be to the driving distance of that um, if um, if you're going to be a North American city. So um, I don't I don't I don't see it happening now. Ever is a strong word, but um, I'm with you I, on that. I, yeah, I could see. I, I I do think from a hockey perspective, I could see because of it's only only takes three days, and the NCAA has a strong relationship here. I could see a Frozen Four in Dallas. Yeah, I that's a weekend. See, yeah, I could see that, but I, I don't see the length of a world junior or uh, being able to fit here. Gallup Gus, this week is the anniversary of the Stars losing to the Blues last year. I remember the disappointment of failing to clinch game six, especially since that was the last car cast. Thank goodness for the car cast. How much of an effect does that game six still have on the Stars? That's a really interesting point because, Sean, we all were pretty excited. It was an afternoon game in Dallas, if I remember correctly. I think it was like a 2 o'clock start. And yeah. on a on a Saturday or was it a Sunday? Uh, I think it was a think, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Anyway, I think so. it was an odd time for a start just because it was warm in Dallas and the sun's out and we're just not used to that on a regular basis. But 
we were really excited because there was a possibility for their second consecutive round game six clincher out in home ice. And that had, you know, the, the previous round, the Stars knocked out Nashville in game six and that wonderful overtime game uh, and goal scored by John Klinkberg was the first time they had clinched a series on home ice for a long, long time. Since uh, the Brendan Morrow uh, which was, game 2008. Uh, at the 2008. time was, what, 11 years prior, I think? Yeah. Because it was May 5th, 2008. So, yeah, it would have been 11 years before. So it had been a really long time since the Stars had actually won a series at home. You know, they clinched their previous playoff round in Minnesota in 2016 in that wild game that we should probably watch at some point, Sean, because that was the one that they won. It got out to a huge lead and almost blew it at the end. Although, again, as exciting as it was at the time, knowing what you know now... Maybe not as exciting. Maybe you should Wait, just watch the no, third period. Well, yeah, we know they're not going to blow it. <laughs> but it was really close. Like, it was almost the St. Louis Blues, Jamie yeah. Van wraparound close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's... I don't know if it's just a Game 6 loss. I think it's the St. Louis Blues effect on the Dallas Stars for yeah. losing in consecutive... Not consecutive, in, in two... The last two times they've met in the playoffs, both in the second round have gone to seven games, one in Dallas, one in St. Louis, and the Stars have lost both, albeit in much, much different fashion. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, I don't think it's the game. I don't. Th- I think game six contributes to it, but uh, to me, the the hump for the Stars to get over, and I've said this multiple times, I'm not afraid to say it, that the issue for me when you were talking about going to the playoffs was the St. Louis Blues roadblock that the Stars have to get over at some point. Either they need to handle themselves or they would have needed somebody else to take them out and the stars lose big games to the blues that's just what the, yep. that's what's happened they lost them in 2016 they lost them in uh they lost them last they lost them last year they have lost big games to the blues and they even 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 this year in the regular season when they stars had a chance against the blues to kind of that big head-to-head game when they were both right one and two in the standings and there was a no-show so i i really think the blues have a a bit of a grip on the stars psyche in big games that the stars have to break through. And so game six contributes to that, but it's just part of a larger, uh, part of a larger issue. The, it, it, it there, it's interesting. Cause we were watching the last dance, most recent episodes of talking about of the Chicago bulls, how they had to get by the Detroit Pistons. And then they had this rivalry with the Knicks and it was different because they knew how to handle it. But you know, the Pistons had to get over the Boston Celtics. And, and in talking, there's always this team, as a team is developing towards a championship caliber club, of there are certain hurdles they have to clear. It's the, it's the uh, earlier, the, the Gretzky era Oilers right. versus the Islanders. Islanders so, have won so, yeah. four straight. Yeah. The fourth one, obviously, the Edmonton Oilers lose to them. And there's always that great story about Gretzky looking in and seeing how beat up the Islanders were after they won realizing what they had to sacrifice to get there. And yeah, I think that's a very common thing. The stars would really, Sean, I think if they could, if everything happened, I think they're on a collision course with St. Louis's again. And I'll have to get to that second round. If you assume that they're the number three seed in the divisional playoffs, but that would be something that whether it's like, I I've said this multiple times. I don't like the divisional format for playoffs. I wish it was a, a conference thing again. But you would think that at some point, if the Stars were going to get to a Stanley Cup final, it would at least this season it would be against. You'd have to get by St. Louis, and 
that could be that sort of thing where if they got over that hurdle, then that could be really a bu- uh, you know something that buoyed them towards maybe winning a cup. Oh, and that's something we would tell. That's that would be a big part of the story. Where if the stars were to win a cup in the next. If the Stars were to win a cup during Jamie Benn's tenure, I'll just sure. use that. If the Stars are to win a cup during Jamie Benn's tenure and they beat St. Louis in that playoff run, one of the big overlapping deep stories will be Jamie Benn, the Jamie Benn Stars got past the Blues. Yes, absolutely, because it's so, it's just a massive barrier for them. And look, they were really close, and it's still it stings, but you got to move on. Uh, yeah. Raphael writes in, what do you think about the decision – to allow the Bundesliga, which is the top level of soccer in Germany, to start again as early as next week, and will you watch the games? Um, I mean, it's 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 once again, it's it's interesting, and it's something where I to answer the second question, I probably will watch. It'll be live live soccer. It'll be live sports. I'll probably. I, I don't know. I, obviously, I don't watch much of the Bundesliga, but it's. I think it's on Fox Sports. I think Fox has the rights in the U.S. Yeah, to that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will watch. And now, whether it's, I don't know if it's the right decision for Germany to do that or not. That's. I don't really feel qualified to judge that decision. I mean, Germany has uh, been as far as European countries have yeah. gone. Germany's in as, as sort of the upper echelon of handling this pandemic yeah. well, and so. They've been pretty cautious about this. I'm interested to see, Sean, how it'll look in the empty fans. We've seen this before. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that soccer fans are more adept to than others, is that especially with international competition, whether it's in the Champions League, Europa League, where it's European clubs back and forth, or in World Cup qualifiers, teams that have gotten in trouble with UEFA or FIFA have been basically barred from having fans in their home matches because of racial problems, you know, racist remarks or actions by their home supporters or something else. And so we've seen that before. And it's weird because it looks like a training match, you know, where they're basically on the practice field and it's eerie in a big stadium with empty seats. It's still interesting to watch and the players still care about it. It's just a very different sound, but it doesn't turn me off from not wanting to watch. The big thing for me is... I'm more of an EPL fan, and this is nothing against the Bundesliga. It's great soccer. It's yeah. because I'm a Liverpool fan, and so I watch their games more than anybody else. If yeah. they're the only soccer on, I'm definitely going to watch. And there are a bunch of Americans that are playing in Germany that I'll be always. I'm always interested to see how they're doing. Um, there's the Austria. I, I don't. They're not in the Bundesliga, but you know uh, Jesse Marsh, the manager for Augsburg, Salzburg, Augsburg. Uh-huh. I think uh, I can't yeah. remember now. I think it's yeah. Sol- uh, RB Salzburg. I may be. I might be totally losing it now. He played. They were in the Champions League this year. I'm excited to see where he's going. So I like his managing style. But yeah, I'll watch. And uh, but like you said, I'm not an epidemiologist, so I'm not sure if I'm the most qualified. If they think they have enough testing, that's a good first step. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, the biggest thing on all of this, and the one idea I saw, which made a really good point, I, I can't remember who, but I saw on Twitter someone was talking about the NBA players, and we're talking about like, um, what are we're, we have a problem if we're testing players on a daily basis in the NBA or the NHL, while we don't have enough tests for the general population? Right. Someone, someone made a good point that says, why don't, why can't the NBA be proactive in this? Is why can't they fund us to if the NBA is going to push through and play? This was an NBA writer. 
if the NBA is going to push through and play, why can't they also use use their use their funding to help get tests for everyone else while they're also using tests too? It just for me, I don't, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I don't want to talk out of turn. I just think it's one of those things where if they're if if they've taken the right steps, if they're keeping people if they're keeping people safe if they're not if it's not at the expense of the general population then i'm fine with it but i don't i I can't judge that right now sean very appropriate this week we got a question from our buddy ardell who sends a picture and says fence repair finally off the honey-do list of course that's the week we talk about my fence problems fraught with uncertainty at first but turned out well for a guy and three sons youtube was helpful what's on your list life can be busy has Corona time, he called it Rony time, given you more quality family interaction of late? couple very different questions there. First of yeah. all, Ardell, the uh, the fence picture looks very nice, so I think you did an excellent job. Also, I think he had, I think based off, based off that fence and the way he was written, it sounds like he's got three sons that are more of a helpful age to help with the fence than your kids. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Now, again, <laughs> mine are younger, but... That looks like an eight-foot fence that he put up, too. So that's uh, he's not going with the shortest possible out there. So yeah. Um, my, yeah, I've got a, I mean, I have a pile of stuff. I had a list of things I wanted to get accomplished during the Stars bye week. And I it had a carryover of more than I wanted to on that list. Yeah. And so then when the coronavirus quarantine, I added, so I had a bye week slash corona list. And we're getting things off, but it always seems to add something else. So uh, things, I mean, I could I could do a whole show on just what I'm trying to accomplish around the house and the property. And um, one of the things that I'm, uh, I just fixed our, our, our family's chicken coop. There was a perch that had fallen down because some of the materials were shoddy. So we, we, I did an adjustment on that and taking down the fences. You guys heard in the last segment. And Sean, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is that my mountain bike, which I uh, took the mountain bike, the heavy tread tires off a couple years ago because and put on slicks because around here, a lot of concrete, you don't really need knobby, thick treads to go off-roading when you're riding on roads and yep. pavement around here. So I did that, and then my gears, because this is a mountain bike I've had since I was in high school. It's a great bike. But the, the gears have started to, to fall apart to the point where it's not shifting well. So I just recently, within the last couple of days, received new shifters from Amazon. And I plan on rewiring my bike for new shifters and brake uh, cables and everything. So I'm excited about that, but I haven't started it yet because the, the fence has taken priority. How about you? What's on your honeydew list? I mean, we've tackled. I've tackled some of those things. Like we had the, like we built the raised. I built raised garden beds. Um, last night, I ended up. Uh, I ended up building kind of. Uh, we ended up ordering and surprising our daughter with a kind of like indoor, indoor jungle gym type, small indoor jungle gym type thing that we built upstairs because she's really missing being able to go to the park and as a toddler doesn't understand that at all. So side note on that, Sean, do you see people when you're walking the neighborhood using your neighborhood jungle gym or, uh, out the uh, outdoor park? I have not seen anyone use the park yet. They, have, a, they, actually have, they actually have a sign up that says the park is clo- I mean, you can walk right past the sign, right. but they have a sign that says the park's closed. I have seen people at, on the picnic tables there. Like I've seen some, 
high school aged kids, I would guess, sitting on the picnic tables there, but I haven't seen anyone actually on the playground equipment. Because I, uh, I have definitely noticed going by our elementary school, which is, you know, within a mile of the house, and we've taken the dogs or the kids around on their yeah. bikes. And I have definitely not not so much lately, but for a point I early on in this lockdown I saw kids playing or even parents taking their kids there and it's like, oh how you don't know what's been on that and they can't clean it. So Yeah. But anyway, I was just curious if you were having similar experiences. Yeah. What else are you working on? I mean, the other, the one thing that's been on my to do list that just this is a personal to do list that I haven't been able, that I just haven't tackled yet is my desk, like my desk area, <laughs> my office area. Like, I'd, I want to get it cleaned. I want to get it all set up. But the issue is it's down here, it's downstairs in an area where, um, my, where if I start cleaning it up, it's got way too many interesting things where Evie will want to help and they'll be moving around. And then, so when, my wife gets off work. I want to spend time with my wife and not clean my desk. And so it's kind of been a cyclical problem where I have not been able to get to the, uh, I've not been able to clean my desk area yet, which I really want to. One of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you've done this similarly or not, is that I've gone on sort of a moderate pace to my day. For example, I have a lot going on, kids in school, so I help them. Uh-huh helping make sure they navigate their daily assignments and things around the house and trying to make sure I at least do one workout a day and yard work and these projects and such, et cetera, that I haven't just sat around and watched TV all day and binged everything. Although I did have a couple of, I finally got into a couple of my novels that I've had stacked up, uh, which I never read during the season because there's too much hockey and other sports reading to take up that time. So I did spend a couple of days doing nothing but reading and that was fun, but I've found, Sean, that I haven't been attacking like a weekend project with the same uh, urgency. I've been doing yeah. it sort of like I pick a task and just sort of methodically going through it because it feels like you have all the time in the world to get it done. I, yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I mean, it's been a similar thing to other tasks, too, where it's like, um, like what's a good example? Like um, when we... There was, there was something, one of the things I did in the garage early on, like a good example is some of the things I got done early on that I got done like quickly. Like when I cleaned the garage, I cleaned the garage. I got it done in like five hours, sure. like, which is, which, which was incredible pace for cleaning a garage. And, but like, I don't think I would attack if I hadn't done that then. And I had done it now, I think it would cleaning the garage probably would have turned into like, ah, two hours today, two hours tomorrow. Because you just Sunday. don't feel like, yeah. oh, well, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll work yep. on this now, and if I don't get it done, I'll still be here tomorrow. I'll be here the next day. Yeah, especially because I keep feeling and operating with the gut of we're in this situation for at least a couple more months. Right. <laughs> like, so um, um, to, answer, to answer the final part of his question before we move on quickly is um, it has given me really more quality interaction time with the family. It's great. I mean, it's been... Well, you haven't had to travel at all and been gone. Yeah. So it's been it's been wonderful to get this with, with my wife and my daughter, so it's been great. So... Um, the no, thing, I, the thing for me, Sean, like obviously, I'm not traveling with the team like I do with the play-by-play gigs that I've had. But one of the things that has been really different is that we haven't had the insane pace of our weekly schedule, which is kids' sports and practices and getting to, to and from school every day, and you know, a hockey practice here, or soccer or baseball here. So it's been kind of nice to just have a, a section of time. Although I'm sure that. Some people are probably getting a lit cabin fever of just being there, you know, just yeah. being around. We're just hanging out. Yeah. So, 
next question was uh, nice from, fence by the way Ardell yes nice fence next question was from French Toast um, do you think the Stars hockey has a strong female fan base in Dallas and are there any media members that cover the Stars any female media members that cover the Stars well um, yes because the first one that comes to mind is Taylor Taylor Berdu, uh is I believe the managing editor for their fan site Defending Big D member of the Pro Hockey Records Association yep. in Dallas, too. And she's been covering the team for several years, but a lot more uh, visible. I, I've seen her in the press box the last couple of years a lot, mm-hmm. which is great. She's wonderful, very yep. nice to chat with, also a big soccer fan. So um, her day job brings her into some stadium discussions with uh, European-based clubs, particularly in England, so that's fun. Um there aren't a ton of female media members that cover the stars. There, in the past, obviously Julie Dobbs, mm-hmm. when she was working for Fox Sports Southwest, was was the sideline reporter. And then they had, you know, they've had a few. They had Ali Lucia was that plus a studio host yeah. for a bit, and Sarah but Merrifield. Would, but yeah, but I would say on a daily basis, I mean, I, I would say on a daily basis, Taylor's the only female media member that's there. I would, on a daily, I would go say as far as say on a daily basis, Taylor's the only non-stars employee in the non-stars, non-AAC employee in the press box. Sure. There's a couple every now and then that are irregular but, visitors, but on a daily but, basis, you're right. A yeah. lot of the female, um, and there's quite a few of them, a lot of women that work for the stars in various capacities that are in the press box during yeah. games, uh, doing a variety of things. And then they always have a pretty strong female contingency in the PR assistants and interns, mm-hmm. which is great, right? It's good to have a, a equality and balance of genders yeah. on there. But again, look, the, there was a time not long ago where there weren't any women that were covering in a media capacity. And so that's starting to change and get more and more. I think that's going to continue in the future, but it's still a, an ongoing commingling in that regard. No, and then there's still, I mean, there is, there's still a ways to go for hockey and extends to the media, the hockey media as well. There, there's a ways to go as far as proper diversity of, and proper divert better representation of the actual population. Well, um, kudos to, it, to your, your uh, employer, they have quite a few uh, female beat writers around the NHL, and that's a growing thing that we didn't see. Ten, ten, I'm guessing ten years ago. Now uh, we'll no. see we'll see a, a fair amount of that when visiting team media comes to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, so but that's a good thing. It, it's growing. Yeah, and it needs to keep growing. That's I, I don't think anyone can deny that that needs to keep growing. Um, the other to, to answer the first part of the question. Do you think the Stars hockey has a strong female fan base in Dallas? Um, I, I don't know how to judge that. I mean, I'm not sure what that question really means as a strong female fan base. I will say some of the – I have had some tremendous Stars conversations with, with some female fans. This is probably better than some of the conversations I have with some male fans. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't – I don't really know the way to judge that question. I don't really... I'm not sure how to quantify it. But when we are interacting with Stars fans at the American Airlines Center, I constantly, for our post-game show, see a mix. It's not, hey, just a bunch of dudes hanging out to watch the game. Mm -hmm. It's it's husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, groups of fans. I don't feel like it's just a, a male sausage fest at all. Yeah, and I mean, once again, I don't know how to quantify it, but there's some really good. There, there are some 
I don't even, there are, there are some female stars fans who I've had interactions with that have probably known the game better than a lot of the male fans. <laughs> so. um, last question we have today. So we'll go to that. Jared writes in, I think Val talking about Val Nachushkin mm-hmm. made a mistake going back to the KHL. Are there inherent risks in drafting Russian players versus players from other countries? And will you name your top five current currently rostered NHL Russian-born skaters? Woo. Oh. Um, yeah, there are risks about drafting Russian players in the sense, and we've heard Jim Nill talk about this when he drafted Val and drafted Denis Gurionov is, yeah. and, and others that you can list, is because there isn't a general agreement. I, I think generally the NHL and KHL honor each other's contracts. Generally, but Generally. there's still there's the other issue, the risk that comes with drafting Russians and the Russian is the KHL. The Russia is the only league in the world that boasts another league that boasts another league that financially and competitive wise has something that's that could at least compare to the NHL. You're talking about it's player not, salaries. Well, and level of play. Obviously, I'm not putting the KHL neck and neck, but you can still make the case where they're in the same stratosphere. It's not like if you're drafting someone from if you're drafting someone from Sweden, there is a general acceptance that for Sweden, the is it, and they, they even admit it. The NHL is a much better league than the Swedish hockey. Sure, that that is, and so and the money's not the same. Yeah, and so in Russia, in Russia, there is there is a there are. A, there is complete. Uh, there's some belief that the Russian league is just as good, and obviously, there's also a, a strong allure to play at home, and there's more. There's a, a good amount of money to be made, so there is. I, I think the risk. I think there is a slight risk coming with it, but I sometimes think it's get over, gets overplayed too. I think sometimes it turns into this a bit of this voodoo that we talk about a little bit too much. There are times that it happens. We're talking about Val Nichushka right now. There are times that it happens where a guy goes. Goes, ends up going back like Val did, or even Alex, happened with Alexander Radulov. So I think there are some risks, but I also don't think it's as big of a risk as um, as people make it out to be. If, 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 if the best player available to me is a Russian player, that's not going to stop me from drafting them. So Well, here's an interesting um, part about Val is that, you know, did he make a mistake is the point that Jared said. He, said he thinks he did by going back. The Stars had to be careful when trying to initially lure Val over to North America because he still had years on his contract with his club in Russia. And there was a discussion of, well, you know, you want to bring him over fine, but he's, he can't come over and play in the AHL. He has to play either NHL or go back to his Russian KHL club. And that that was actually, I think something that hurt him was that the stars weren't in a position to say, no, you're going to play in the AHL and earn your way up. He actually was really good his rookie season. It was the second year with his injury and things that could have been better and beneficial to him had he had to maybe earn his spot rather than just be handed it. Now, on the flip side, going back, I think that had a lot to do with, uh, with the player, his frustration with how he felt because he had had that surgery and wasn't as good, and also the circumstances between he and Lindy Ruff at the time where... There was obviously a disagreement in, in how the coach was treating or using him versus how what he felt he should have been how he should have been treated. I, so I, I want to address the Lindy thing because Lindy Lindy gets too much of a bad rap for that. Um, I don't I don't think 
I, I don't think that's fair. I, I honestly at I, all. That, I mean, parts of it are fair, but he was. I, I, I think Lindy was hard on Val, just like he'd be hard on any young player. And I right, think but I'm Lindy, saying is that I don't think Val was happy with his situation, whether it was Lindy Ruff or Ken Hitchcock or whoever. But we also forget the financial too. A lot Understood. of this falls on Jim Dill. Like I think Lindy is the one that takes the bullet. As Lindy, Lindy is the one who gets the, the blame that Val went to Russia, but. Jim Nill and Val's agent, they didn't come to a month. Like, Val wanted more money. He thought he was worth more. Jim Nill wasn't going to give it to him. He didn't have much recourse other than going back to Russia, and that's what he did. So, like, this falls on Lindy to me. It's it's too much of a rug sweeping for everyone else's issues. Do you think it's more about salary than less about usage? Yes, 100%. Okay. So I, here's I think the it's question. Way more about salary. I think the, it's way more about salary. Hypothetically, then, he signs with the Dallas Stars on his first RFA deal after his ELC ends and mm-hmm. stays. Are we talking about a different progression? I think a slightly different one. I mean, we're not we're not looking at one where he eventually gets bought out by the team. Maybe he leaves the team in some capacity, but I don't think we're talking about a buyout. So, um, I think I think he would have been a better player if he stayed over here and I think he would have been a better player if he stayed over here. And you know what? He still turned into a pretty good player with Colorado this year. So what about, um, what about from the stars perspective? Should the, should Jim Nill the given him conceded and given him more money? I mean, at some point when you're negotiating, you have to have a hard line, right? Most players, when no, you, I think I, when yeah, you put I, your I, foot down, don't then go to the KHL. It's the Russian. Yeah. Obviously Russians are different, yeah. but, no, I, I don't think the Stars made as much of a mistake. I think it's more of a mistake made by Val about money right. as opposed to um, – as opposed to, uh, to – I, I, I just also I don't like the whole Lindy Ruff is the reason he left thing. Like That's it's, fair. And, and I think that, that gets overly played. Well, um, there were some weird articles at the time about the coaching staff. And also from the agent who had said, I don't understand what the problem is. Just put him on the first line in the top power play unit. Yeah, and, and, and knowing Val, knowing Val's agent as someone who I have interacted with, uh, it's it's easy to blame the coach that has an expiring contract and is no longer there, and to not call out the GM who you're really angry with, who is actually the one that you're negotiating with. So, so last part of this question was yeah. top, current top five NHL rostered Russian-born players. Current, so active. We're talking then. They have to be active. Um, to me, the top three in no particular order are Alex Ovechkin, uh, Nikita Kucherov, and Artemi Panarin. Those are the first three off the top of my head. You don't have Malkin in your top three. Mm, I mean, all time or current? We're talking current. I mean, I mean, it's uh, current. I mean, maybe fourth. I, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's it's an easy it's to an me, easy five. It's to me to me though, it's an easy five. It's the it's the four we've mentioned, and then uh, and then Tarasenko. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, you could make a case for Kuznetsov in there over Tarasenko, maybe, but that's and he's really uh, good. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, it's not. Or do you do you look at goaltending? Um, I mean, Vasilevsky is phenomenal. Bobro- well, I, Sergei Bobrovsky. I, I, I read the question literally skaters, so I had actually yeah, yeah, yeah. Goal, I, I ruled goalies out completely. But that's how my brain works because right. Um, well, would you would you? Put, I would if if we're talking just players and including goalies, I would put Vasilevsky in as as the fifth over Tarasenko. I think I would too. But, Currently, uh, remember he's dealing yeah. with the yeah. 
you know, coming back from the long-term injury. So he hasn't been yeah. playing as of late. But yeah, yeah, no, that that's a pretty good group of five or six right there. Yeah. All right. So that is it for our lightning round. Once again, a show that we, in theory, on paper looked and said that's going to be short isn't very short. Yeah. But there you go. That tends to happen, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. My way of signing off this week would be to say, Sean, I hope your car windshields and side <laughs> windows remain intact for another week. And hopefully I can get my uh, fence and gate going at some point. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'll end with, uh, as we kind of touched on earlier, thank you to all the nurses and doctors and everyone out there. And uh, if any of them are listening, I'm stunned that you're listening. So thank you. And uh, that we'll, we'll be, be back next week. Can't have you